This is Troy Wagner. This is Eric Miller. We are Ravers for Recovery. Recovery. And if you're listening to this, so are you. you. How was your day? How was your week? We want to hear from you. Reach out to us by email, info at raversforrecovery.org. And go ahead and connect with others in recovery by joining our Facebook page. And always stay up to date with the latest news by visiting our website, www.raversforrecovery.org. And now, join us for this week's podcast. On this episode, Eric interviews a DJ and producer out of Indianapolis, Indigo Child. And stay tuned for after the interview for a special bonus feature. Here we go. How's it going, folks? My name is Eric Miller. I'm a Ravens for Recovery. Troy's out tonight, uh, having to do the J-O-B. Uh, I have here with me Rob Masco, a.k.a. Indigo Child. How's it doing, Rob? Um, Rob, is uh, you currently in Indiana now, or are you back in Louisville? You're in Indy. Back in Indy. All right, so um, Rob and I met a long time ago uh, on the infamous, famous coke lot of the uh, Indianapolis Motor Speedway on a night that will live in infamy. Um, it's just, that was, that was the first time you and I met, I believe. So, uh... <laughs> I don't know how much control that was, man. It was, uh, it was definitely a, uh, it was, uh, it was a tent, uh, a pop-up. It was a pop-up with a piece of security tape. And we went yeah. from, yeah, so... Anyhow, let's we'll, we'll get we'll get to that. We'll get to that, man. Rob, go ahead and tell everyone about yourself and uh, who you are, where you're from, what you do, what you're about. Nice. So my name is Rob Samasco. Uh, Thirty years old. I'm a DJ and a producer. I go by Indigo Child. Um, I'm based out of Indianapolis, Indiana. Um, you know, as far as recovery and addiction, I've struggled with uh, you know opiate abuse. Um, I'm coming up on like eight or nine years now nice. uh, eight years so like you know that that was the first habit that i really uh quit and i struggled with that for you know a good good couple years um and then i had like two years clean i relapsed and, and after that like you know i had a i had a one relapse and overdosed and that was the last time i touched it i just enough was enough and and so i never went back um but, you know, one thing that I did struggle with for a, a long time afterwards was, you know, alcohol use, especially being a DJ and involved in a scene that kind of normalizes drinking mm-hmm. uh, to, to an extreme extent. Um, you know, I wasn't, I wasn't able to leave the party at the party. And, right. And, you know, especially like I would go certain periods of time where I would go without drinking. But then, you know, the disease tells you that you've got it beat and that you're okay. And then, like, I'd start out maybe one drink here or there, yada, yada, yada. And then one night I would get too drunk. And then I would wake up and I would go back to drinking, like, start to finish. That would be my day. I'd have to wake up and go to the gas station, get a 40 just to get out of bed and function. Right. So, you know, I I was a full-blown alcoholic. And, um... Last time I really struggled with it, I was on about a three, four month bender. Um, 
couple friends of ours had quit right before you know I decided to and it was just it was something that I didn't want to go through anymore you know so uh, I, I went through literally every every rock bottom in one day you know uh, ended up in the hospital lost my job like all in the same day and then you know I just I was I was done you know alcohol was something that was no longer serving a positive purpose in my life and you know my life had legitimately become unmanageable right so you know I'm, I'm very blessed and lucky that i had a lot of people uh, in my corner that i met through the music scene um you know my buddy duncan ramsey like all those guys you know uh you know mad had quit and duncan wasn't drinking around me because he wanted he, he had seen me at like some of my worst you know um, and so he refrained from drinking for about six months or, or longer. I mean, he hasn't even, even now he just doesn't drink, you right. know? So, um, it was rough at first, you know, you go through the physical stuff and then you deal with the psychological aspects of, of withdrawals and addiction and, and something like that is one of the hardest things I've ever had to like quit, you mm -hmm. know, but I, I think, um, being surrounded by good positive influences, supportive people. I mean, I never felt out of place. I never felt peer pressure. Like when I said I wanted to quit and people knew that, like they didn't offer me booze. Um, you know, I kept playing shows, but I traveled with people who stayed sober um, and who didn't drink and people that did, they didn't necessarily like put it in my face. They respected that. So it really helped. It helped me stay involved and active with the music, and at the same time, it helped me with my my recovery. You know, mm -hmm. um, so uh, I was definitely very blessed. This the last time uh, that I was surrounded by those types of people. Right on. Now I know you have a uh, you have a wonderful wife, Crystal, and you have two or three three now three now three babies yeah. now. Yeah, and uh, uh, Robbie growing up and all that stuff. How how did that affect your home life, and how was your how was the support system from your wife and family during those times? Uh, uh, because I know for some of our viewers, you know, family is the biggest struggle. Um, you know, you go to work and you come home, and then it's like a whole nother set of things that you have to deal with, and, and especially for you being on the road for periods of time, for weeks at a time, like you know, every other week or every weekend, and so forth. And, how how did that affect your home life and, and how has that come to change now in your sobriety? Um, you know, the the alcohol is something that I Crystal knew I struggled with it and she was really I mean, she's always been behind me through the worst of the worst. Mm -hmm. You know, like uh, she's always had my back and I'm I'm super thankful for it. I know it hasn't been easy for her. Um, you know, she's kind of understood what I've had to do with through her own struggles, which, you know, she's done an amazing job on her, on herself. And, um, you know, my son, uh, our oldest son, um, was still pretty young when I was drinking. Um, she was deployed for a year. And so I raised him for like the first, like from about six months to a year and a half, uh, on my own with the help of my mom on and off. Um, but you know, the drinking at the time didn't really affect my ability to be a parent because I like had to do that. Like, you know, I, responsibility and, and things helped me mature. 
but when she got home and I started working and the stress of the job and, and just not necessarily being happy uh, internally and, and you know, having having to reacclimate to a, a normal family lifestyle was, was a lot. And, um, you know, especially the last, the last couple of weeks or couple of months that I was really out there drinking, it became too much. It became really hard on her. Um, and, you know, it was something that I knew that if I kept going down that road, I was going to lose my kid. I was going to lose my, my wife. I was going to lose the music. I was going to lose it all, man. Like, mm-hmm. and, and possibly end up dead. Cause I mean, I was very, very close to that point. And, and you know, Crystal stayed with me through it and, and gave me the chance and the opportunity to get better. And, um, obviously I did it for myself. Like you have to, you're gonna get sober. You have to do it for yourself first and foremost. Yeah, absolutely. But gotta yeah, want it. Gotta want it. Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, I've, I've over the years. I mean, I admitted that I had a problem with alcohol and drugs back in like 2007, 2008, mm-hmm. and I always got sober for my mom or this, that, and the other. And it was like you know, these last times that I've decided. To to be done, I, I had to do it for myself, right. and it's what works, you know. So I'm I'm glad that she gave me the opportunity to to get better, and I didn't want to let her down. I should have had the voice. Robbie, my kid, my oldest, to um to grow up with a father like that, or you know, possibly lose me. So, right, that's awesome, dude. Yeah. Um, I know, I know, uh, I know. At least in my active addiction, when uh, when we were uh, indie based, uh, when you and I were both there, that we shared a common friend in Jose, uh, who yeah. who unfortunately uh, lost his life to addiction. And uh, you know, man, I, I have to say, for as long as I was in active addiction and as long as I was in indie, that to see the amount of turnaround that that one person's life the amount of changes that it brought about not only in the scene uh but in the music but just the love that he had as an individual because he was a tremendous individual man he was yeah. high in spirit high in life um and i know out of that for for that the uh, for the family's funeral expenses you guys created a uh, artist against addiction and yeah. um you know, uh, once you, uh, you know, talk to me a little bit about that. Uh, tell me a little bit about, uh, about, uh, Jose and just kind of the relationship you had there and how his passing affected you, your music, and how you felt that it affected the scene in Indy. Well, what was ironic is Jose and I met, um, before I got sober, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and so at first, you know, Jose didn't necessarily care for me because I was a drunk asshole. Right. <laughs> and I, I, I didn't even like myself, so I couldn't really expect anyone else to. I mm-hmm. think people tolerated me enough because there was glimmers of, like, who I was that people saw. Right. You know, like, and I think that's what they kind of held on to. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it wasn't really until I quit drinking. Um, that, you know, Jose and I became closer. So, you know, we talked about our struggles with different things and um, made amends and, and, and of stuff that, you know, we both said. Like, for the last couple of months, you know, he, 
I want to be like, man, I, I respect you so much. Like, I'm so proud of you and what you're doing. And it really brought him and I closer together. And, you know, he he stopped drinking and, and started to settle down himself. And I mean, that's that's the that's the tricky thing about addiction. Man. You just never know. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's like you just got to live in the moment. Being, like you were saying, be in the present and take yep. it one day at a time, you know, because you just, just never know. And like, um, I believe he had about two years clean and mm-hmm. one night, same situation as myself, you know, ended up having a relapse and didn't make it. And then yep. like, it sucked, man. I mean, he was such a, he was such a bright light in our scene, in our community and, and was responsible for giving it a whole new level of growth. Yeah. I agree. Um, I agree completely. He was he was always there for people. He's always supportive and like he believed in all of us and like um, I know he believed in me. You know, and yeah. there's times where I'd be down, down myself, feeling like crap, and I'd go to a show and he'd be like, "Oh, dude, I can't wait for your set." Blah blah blah, and I'd see him friends and I'm like, I know that feeling. So you know, after after his passing. Uh, Duncan and I met um, and I were like sitting there and we just started talking about you know different ideas what we could do to help and and we came up with this artist against addiction idea Um, and we contacted a couple artists friends that knew him and just kind of started reaching out to people and be like hey you know this is this idea we have would you be down to donate a track to it and so we decided to to do that and, and got a, like 27 tunes or something, different bands and producers and from all across the country. We had some, you know, major national acts like Zebrin, Zebrin and Connie, uh, and Connie Experience and, and our buddy Pleasure. Um, guys that, that are just incredible artists that have been affected or felt passionate about the um, project and just the, the concept and idea. Mm-hmm. Um, and have been affected from addiction or new people that have struggled with it. Um, and so what we did was we put that together and we, we put it up on all the distributors and all the money we raised went to a national organization called Shatterproof. Mm-hmm. Um, what they do is they take their funding and, and the money they receive and use it to pass bills and lobby for um you know, different addiction-based um, ideas, such as like better funding for treatment facilities, more outreach programs, materials mm-hmm. for meetings, stuff like that. Um, more funding for you know addiction research, and uh, also they bring events to different cities to promote you know uh, raise awareness about addiction. Um, and then uh, we also had a couple of the artists that contributed to come and do a show at the Mousetrap with the Mojo. Ramsey helped with some of the planning of the actual album, got some artists involved for us, and um, also put together an amazing, amazing um, event to, to you know, memorialize Jose. Um, and then all the proceeds that, that we got there um, went to uh, his his family. Right. So. And I think that was I think that was I remember that specifically and, and just how great of a, not only of a concept that it was but how 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 great of 
the success that was, you know, for one person, you know, and, and not only not for one person, but for everybody who had lost him and who was involved, you know, has been involved with addiction and, and in addiction. And, and you're exactly right. I mean, you just never know. I mean, one minute he was there and the next minute he was gone, you know, and it left a huge hole, I think, in a lot of people as, you know, as addiction does. Um, but, um, you know, we here at Ravens Recovery, I mean, we're excited to, you know, start that up with you again. And hopefully we can, you know, keep that dream alive with the artist against addiction and start doing some more tracks and stuff. So I do look forward to that. Um, yeah. On a, uh, on a happy note here, let's get back to this co-plot thing. And, um, and, and more importantly, the music, you know, the music. The first song, the first time I ever met you, first time I ever saw you, the first song I ever heard from you was Wonderwall. And, uh, you know, you had to have been 20 something, you know? I mean, we were in the middle of the coke oh, lot. Yeah. <laughs> we were in the middle of a coke lot. I mean, the only way I found it was by the bass, you know? But describe yeah. to me where you've seen the music go, the inspiration that you've seen, good and bad, like, you know. I mean, I, I think I, 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 there's not too many negative things, I would say. I think a lot of it has been positive. I mean, it's definitely evolved, you know, and with that comes more people, more ideas, you know, and of course you have uh, different things that you can take away um, from it. I mean, most of the negativity, whether it's um, groups or people or whatever, it doesn't seem to last long because I feel like uh, the overall idea and purpose of it is, is one of like positivity and love, you know, and, and I think just from our group and, you know, what we're doing here in Indy and what I've seen in other cities, playing other cities, I feel like the intention is definitely um, coming from the right place. Mm -hmm. um, it, I mean, when I got into this, it was 15 years ago. Like, I've been listening to electronic music forever. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it's like what was once this obscure genre or this obscure underground style, um, <laughs> like around 2009, 2010, became popular. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, there was there was a period. I remember there where it was just it was just house and house techno. Like there was no there was no EDM. There was no dubstep. There was no mashup. You know, I mean, it was East Coast West Coast battles and just two turntables and some vinyl. You know, and yep. and then there was like after 2003, there was just kind of this this dry period, and then all of a sudden, boom! Like it it came back. You know, and you know, that's, and I think, seeing you for the first time and, and, and a couple other of the local DJs there in Indy really showed me that that the music wasn't dead, you know, that it, if anything, it had grown into some kind of monster that it's turned into today. But what I'm noticing now today is like back then it was, you know, these designer highs and drugs and how, how high and how in, you know, love could you be with you know with anyone and everyone in the club to to getting back to more of the music to like it's actually becoming more of the music type uh, about well, I, the music 
I think a lot of it too is the fact that a lot of us have lost people. Like, mm-hmm. you know, on, too many. every other you know, every other day or whatever, like at least once or twice a week I'm seeing somebody else passing away. Right. And it's the sad the saddest part is the fact that like what used to be I mean I would never advocate drug use, right? But you're going to do what you're going to do. I'm not going to tell you one way or another. But I feel like the scene has become a place to where if you do have a problem, people are going to support it. They respect it. They're mm-hmm. there for it. And, and and unfortunately, it's come from a lot of great losses. Right. And some of, these, some of these losses are people mm-hmm. that didn't even know what they were getting. No. Know, getting drugs laced, drugs laced with fentanyl and stuff. Right. I mean, it's terrible. Yeah, well, you know, with the ad, the advent of the synthetics and stuff like that, I think really that really changed the ball game because, you know, now you're getting something called Molly, and it really wasn't Molly. You know, it's a research yeah. chemical from China. You know, or you're getting, yeah. like you said, the fentanyl and stuff. You know, and and there are these kids that just, you know, had were not seasoned. Uh, not that that's a thing, you know, but uh, you know they weren't aware of what they were doing or even who they were getting it from. I mean. I mean, it's Russian roulette. It really is. I mean, there yes. there, there are no guarantees. <laughs> there are no guarantees. So um, it's so true, man. And I've been saying that all the time. Like that's one thing I've always compared it to is Russian roulette, man. You're always taking a risk, you know. Yep. And, and um, you've got certain groups now that go to festivals and they have test kits and things like that, and mm-hmm. people are on the fence about it. But it's like. You, people are gonna do drugs no matter what, right. you know, and, and and I think it it's part of it's part of our duty, or at least I feel like it's part of mine to make people feel comfortable not doing it, and and also making it okay for people to admit that they have a problem and that they can come to me or like mm-hmm. other friends to to say that, and I mean to not feel out of place or judged mm-hmm. or whatever. Um, for for doing so, right. I think that's I think that's really the biggest thing that you just touched on is just being able to talk to somebody, you know, yeah. and, you know, not necessarily getting yourself into a rehab or a treatment program or anything, which is you know yes the ultimate goal, and you probably should if you if you have that kind of a problem. And, and whatnot, you know, you can't force someone to oh, go. Man, I've been to, I've been to meetings, I've been to AA meetings, NA meetings, and like I don't necessarily go as much as I should now. Mm-hmm. But um, the big book, having read that, worked the steps, and everything else has seriously like been ingrained in the back of my mind, and right. it's helped me tremendously, even from day to day things. And mm-hmm. I think it's. Those things are not only good if you're struggling with addiction, but I think if you're not, or you're struggling with depression or right. certain mental health issues, the isolation. Those underlying, yep, those underlying issues that we use drugs to self-medicate on. It's good to like have certain principles or certain things, like taking an inventory, working through uh, resentments and stuff like that. I mean, they're, they're, that's a healthy thought process, even if you aren't struggling with addiction. Right. Yeah, we had a we had a podcast with uh, Albashek uh, uh, Doba last night, and one of the things that stood out for me, he was saying, is leveraging the knowledge. You know, is taking that yeah. knowledge that you have, uh, be it be it NAAA or Smart or any of the other programs that are out there, and leveraging that knowledge. You know, admitting you have a problem, seeking out help, finding counsel. Um, you know, uh, repairing 
damages, you know, making your amends, and, and then but moving forward one day at a time, you know, changing the group, yeah. the people, the places, and the play things where you're at, you know, because. Um, and that's another question I wanted to get to is, uh, in your sobriety, one, how has your music changed in, in your production? And two, going back into a minefield of temptation, um, how, how do you handle that? Uh, I know you spoke about you're surrounded by people who are with you and stuff, uh, who support your sobriety and stuff like that. But going into clubs and going to shows and stuff, what is it that you see now that is different than from 15 years ago? Um, I think people are more aware and they they're, they're recognize that addiction is an issue and that, you know, um, I think they've become more open-minded, more receptive. It's not such a, such a weird taboo subject. You know, right. people don't want to talk about it. And it's kind of hit so hard that they don't have a choice anymore. It's part of what we all deal with. Exactly. Um, and I think that's a good thing. I think that's awesome. Um, I also think for me personally, um, not having, I mean, like the drugs and, and booze especially, it's made it a lot easier for me to creatively focus and I think it's it's helped me uh, open my mind and, and just be more original and kind of like find my own sound um, and it's easier to write because my mind's not always like recovering from a bender or from like the night before or whatever like I can wake up every day and, and come home every night and be able to sit down and write if I want to you know and, right. and it's it, I'm not trying to fight a hangover or withdrawals you know? right so I think uh, overall I mean it was the best decision I could have made for my music was, was quitting all that stuff and, and getting away from it because um, it just would have destroyed me. Right. Um, I, I was not productive, and, and even if I felt like, oh, I was getting inspiration, it wouldn't last long, or, you know, it would feed into so many other issues that would hinder that, you know, creativity. Um, at first, it was a little weird performing live, because, like, you know, the booze and the drugs was, like, my social lubricant to right. feel comfortable. Um, but... <laughs> you know, once once I fought through that and all the mental stuff and got comfortable and it's like now, you know, I, I never would have thought like playing a place like the Egyptian room, right, in front of a couple thousand kids, being completely sober, mm -hmm. like I, it would have been foreign to me a couple of years ago or when we first met, it totally like, you know, I was nervous to play in front of 40 people. Right. You know, and and I think I do I do slightly like, remember yeah. that. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, I, I do remember I do remember the nerves, you know, because you were so new at the time, you know, and you came on the scene, you know, in, in a big big way, you know. So um, yeah, so man, I'm ha I'm happy you're sober and I'm happy you're still producing. What what do you have new that's coming out? What's what's on your future agenda right now? Well, um, I just recently dropped an EP last month um, that hit number 17 uh, last I'd seen. It hit number 17 on the Beatport Top 100 Bass Charts. Nice, dude. Which is nice. surreal. Um, you know, uh, 
I've got a single coming out next week on the Colorblind compilation. Um, some friends from the Midwest are, are starting their thing. Um, and then I've got another single lined up on a UK uh, outlet, and then I'm finishing up another EP. So it's like, you know, that kind of productivity and creative flow would not be possible if I was still drinking and messed up the way I used to. Right. You know, like, I'm, I'm thankful. And like, honestly, you know, a lot of people are weird about religion or spirituality or whatever but like you know i have a relationship with a higher power of my understanding mm -hmm. that has truly made it all possible because if it, if it were me doing it by myself there'd be no way there there, uh, there really isn't there really isn't yeah. you know i mean yeah. And I, I'm, a, I'm a firm believer, and I've said this a long time, even while in active addiction and whatnot, you cannot be successful and be high. No. You just can't. No. I mean, you might be able to sustain it 9 out of 10, but that 10th time is always going to bite you in the ass. And it always seems to bite you in the ass in a way that you never expect. And it always ends up being worse than what you always thought it would be. You know? Yes. So, I mean... Yes. Yeah. Right. So, yeah. well, man, what is... Uh, we're kind of drawing on time here, but uh, any last words you want to like throw out to your viewers, your listeners, to our viewers, uh, just anything that you want to pass on to the younger generation that that listens to, to the EDM scene and EDM music and festivals? I mean, any words of wisdom? Um, well, I want to say I'm proud of you, Eric, <laughs> you're doing and, and how far you've come. So Thank I mean, you. like, dude, it's amazing to sit here and have these conversations and just see where you're at, dude. I'm so proud of you. Um, you know, I want to thank everybody that's, you know, watched this and anyone that's ever supported my music from the very beginning to today. Um, you know, it's something that keeps me going and, and just, you know, continues to drive me forward. And I think to anyone that is getting into this scene or even just struggling with addiction, you don't need the drugs to have a good time. You don't need to have the booze, you know, to have a good time. Um, you know, it's moderation, moderation. But if you have a problem, it's okay to admit that you have a problem. And, and there's people out there that um, are doing this and, and they've struggled with it too. And they continue to like do this and be sober and they don't, you know, use or drink um so it's possible to do this and, and not be on something right um and you know just continue to believe in yourself and your dreams and push forward surround yourself with people that are going to make you know that are going to help you be better and and want to see you be better whether it's career-wise or just personally spiritually mentally whatever surround yourself with people that care about you no no man that's really awesome dude well, hey, man, I'm going to sign off here. You hold tight. I'm going to talk to you here in a second after I shut this thing down. But, uh, again, we're talking with uh, AKA Indigo Child Rob's Samasco. Get that right? All right. Um, I'm going to get you that hat, and maybe you can do maybe like maybe like a three-track thing for our webpage at uh, RaversForRecovery.org. That would be awesome, dude. Um, I really do look forward to collaborating with you, man. It's been a personal pleasure of mine to know you, to get to know you, uh, for having known you. Um, I miss you. I really do. I can't wait to see your set. I miss your music. Um, I look forward to getting back there sometime soon, if not getting you out here. So again, this has been Ravers for Recovery. I'm Eric Miller. Uh, Troy's gone tonight, so we'll be back on Friday night. Thank you all for watching. Bye.
This first song is called Freedom by the one and only Indigo Child. Next up, we have the song Moon Boots.
That's an awesome song. Love that one. I hope that I don't do too much damage to the pronunciation of this song, but the next up by Indigo Child is Asheron. It is spelled A-C-H-E-R-O-N. Go ahead, Indigo.
We are truly blessed to have Indigo Child sharing some of his music with us. The last song for this episode of Ravers for Recovery Podcast is titled Talk Much. Again, this is Indigo Child on Ravers for Recovery.
You have been listening to another episode of the Ravers for Recovery podcast. I am Troy Wagner. I'm Eric Miller. And we are Ravers for Recovery. Recovery. And if you listen to this, you are too. Go ahead and join the Facebook group, which is growing quickly. You'll find that with keyword Ravers for Recovery. Also, make sure to check out the website. A lot of cool info on there. That's at raversforrecovery.org. Until next time, again, we are Ravers Ravers for for Recovery. Recovery.